Welcome to Lady BizWiz, where we help you focus, execute, and get results as you take your business from concept to market. All right, we are back today. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Amy, how are you today? Oh, I am fantastic. I tell you, fall has come to Savannah, at least whatever fall Savannah has. You think this is fall, Amy? This is close to fall. <laughs> I don't okay. have to turn the air conditioner you. on as you're much. You're right. You're right. It is somehow cooling down. And it's, it's not very as humid, so it it's, feels like it fall. It is. It's not. It's, it's not fall like a New England fall. So if anybody's out there from New England or... Don't any, drive to Savannah to see the leaves change, please. Don't, don't. We'll, we we'll save you some gas money. We have a lot of pine trees. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a leaf, leaf changing season. So we are talking today on the topic of taking risks and... Amy, this is kind of fresh to me because, you know, I just kind of started a new gig doing so, some sales. So I'm ask you a question, Rebecca. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you for taking risks? Well, I mean, 10 being like all for it, 1 being... Like 10 being like I like to jump, like I, I pastime would be like, you know, skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe a 6. six. Okay. How about you? Well, I'm like a 10. Okay. 9.5. Well, that, that makes sense. You have, have you skydived? No, but I've scaled buildings. Yes. Like with ropes and high heels. I saw the picture of that. Yeah. That was really cool. We should post that. I would. I would. I might do that for my 50th birthday. My wrist stuff kind of freaks my husband out, so I don't. Um, but you would jump out of a plane? Sure. Why not? Why not? I mean, if it's. I mean, you know, do you like roller coasters? Yes. Okay. Especially the flipsy up one, upside down. The one. upside down one? Oh, yeah, I love them. Yeah, I actually think about roller coasters and I get butterflies in my stomach. But then once I actually go and like get past that initial fear, I'm like, let's go again. I like, the, I like, I like going fast. No, I don't drive fast, weirdly enough, because I don't like a ticket. So I'm really, people laugh at me because I really do like to You go, stay in the speed limit. But I drive the speed See, limit. See, I'm the opposite. I have a lead foot and I push it. I, push I don't want the, a spe- t- speeding ticket. I don't like those either, but I do like to get where I'm going and I don't always think about how fast I'm going. Well, see, but I, I buffer 15 minutes everywhere I go into my day. That you do. So I never have to, I never have to um, feel like I'm in a hurry because I do actually buffer, weirdly enough for appointments, I buffer an extra 15 minutes. In. Which isn't very, but that's not very, I wouldn't expect that from a real high risk taker. Yeah, but I hate to be late. And when I'm late, I get, um, I have this weird chemical reaction that happens and nobody wants to be around me because I'm a total. Because you get mean? Oh, I'm horrible. I mean, it's really bad. And I learned, I guess it was about 10 or 15 years ago, that that part of my personality was just not beneficial to me. And I did not know how to fix it because it was really this weird reaction that came over me that I had really felt like I had no control of um, and not being late controlled it. So I mean, there's not that many things in life that you could fix with such a a real solution. So I adjusted my times. Because I couldn't yeah. stand to be late. I felt like I was I just really, it was horrible. And if we were late, I was screaming at Rob or the, I mean, whoever we were. I mean, I was, I was horrible. It was a horrible side. And so okay, I. Okay. So let me ask you this. I don't know why I'm asking this, but what was it about being late? Was it that you were like letting other people down? Was I it that you were, it was, it was embarrassing I, to you? I think it was embarrassing to me. I felt like I was taking advantage of somebody's time. I felt like it made me look irresponsible. Mm. Um, I don't know. And I know people who run late constantly and none of them have ever said they felt that way, but it felt that way and so by the time I got there I would be so amped to like a 15 that whatever I was there to enjoy or whatever I was there to do it would take like 15 minutes for me to get myself calmed back down and it was just not beneficial to whatever I was trying to do so I made an adjustment and I um I don't I'm usually early 
to things. Now it's actually become a running joke with my friends that when I'm actually on time, they start calling. I worry about you when you're, when you're like not there 15 minutes. I'm like, what is she okay? I need to call and check on her. People do. It's odd. Yeah. But it, no, so it's just really with something. And now it's just become a habit. And I, and I guess habits happen um, for things, but it wasn't working for me. And, and I spent a, I don't spend a lot of time like you do, like with real introspective thinking why thinking about why analysis. But I, um, can tell you when something's not working that I want it to work. And if it's not working, I do somehow weirdly believe that the, the power to get what I, where I want to be sits within my ability. And so I have to make adjustments if it's not what I'm wanting to get. Right. So, so over time you, you recognize this isn't working. I'm, I need to make an adjustment. Yeah. My kids would cry. I mean, Rob would yell. I mean, it was not good. It was, it was so horrible. It was just such a horrible part of, of, of this, of me that I really was like, this is unacceptable. So, I mean, I, there are parts of me that I have found over the years that I find that are just unacceptable. So I make adjustments. Here's the thing I like about risk. I like the adrenaline. I like the yeah. way it makes me feel when I'm like living a little bit on the edge when I'm like a little bit scared and a little bit like, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. So I, that's what I like about risk. It makes me feel alive. You know, it's not, it's kind of the opposite to me of like apathy or boredom. It's like, wow. oh yeah, I live my life on that edge. I love that edge. That edge is, is my favorite and it's the way I exist. So, I mean, I, I, I ride that edge, um, pretty much all the time. I mean, so would I, you consider yourself like an adrenaline junkie though? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I do, I, I mean, go fast on a boat, go, you know, downhill snow skiing. I mean, I'll try anything. Um, but I mean, now there are people out there that do way more extreme sports than I do. Um, and I probably don't seek those out, but you know, as a mom and that kind of stuff, I guess I don't, but I was thinking, I was talking to a lady the other day about getting a pilot's license. I thought that sounded kind of fun. So how much do you think that's a part of sort of the entrepreneurial makeup that, that adrenaline, um, hit the, the, whatever it is, whether the dopamine hit the, you have to be okay with that to be an entrepreneur because you're in for a rough ride. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that that's what's going to happen. I mean, when you, you know, you, you were talking, we were talking about it earlier today about, you know, a client you met with earlier, to, earlier today said they were, you know, what do they say? Building the airplane as they flew. Yes. And I joke around that I jump off cliffs all the time and I, I'm figuring out the landing on the way down. I have no parachute. I'm just off and I'm trying to figure out how to, that I'm going to soft land on my way. And that plan is coming together while I'm free falling. Um, and yeah, so yeah, part of being an entrepreneur, you have to be okay with that or at least have somebody on your team th that's around you that can talk you through that because, um, what's going to happen if you're risk averse and there, I, and I have great friends that are risk averse. So that's not a negative. It's just how they're wired up versus how I'm wired up. So if, if you're risk adverse, it's nothing's wrong with you. Um, it's just, you're wired up differently, but the risk averse, um, will sit, you know, in that place we've talked about before that paralysis by analysis, they don't want to make a wrong decision. So what they end up happening is they make no decision and right. they don't make a decision because they're afraid of making the wrong one and taking a chance that they could make the right one. And that's really where that, that fork in the road comes in. And that's where the risk comes in is you don't know if going left is right, is, is the right choice. 
left is right. Anyway. <laughs> going left is correct. You don't know if going left is correct. And you don't really know if going right is correct. But you're at the fork and a business decision. And you've taken all the information you can. I mean, I believe in taking, making a wise or an informed decision. But you've taken the data that you've come up with. But a, a decision still has to be made to go to the next step. Do I lease this much space? Really, I might be able to make it with, but if I go too fast, I'm in this lease for three years and then I've, you know, what do, you know, what do I do? And, and so signing your name on that lease is a risk because most leases require a personal guarantee. And once you do that, they are, you know, if the business fails, they're coming after you personally. So there is a risk to that. And, you know, and if you're risk averse, you can become so scared or paralyzed that what ends up happening is no decision gets made and therefore the business fizzles on its own. So you have to have some level to be an entrepreneur, um, to, 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 you know, you, to like risk. Otherwise you're, you're going to, there's, there's going to be some decision that has to be made down the path and you're not going to be able to, you know, step out on faith on that. So how do you know when it's a good time to, I mean, how do you how do you know when it's a calculated risk versus possibly a unnecessary risk? You know, you have to look at the data that you're, you know, the information you're presented with. Um, that decision would be different based on any given parameter. So there's really not a pat answer to that. But, you know, I'll, I'll, t I'll give you an example. Years ago, when I started the macaron bakery with Laura, we had an opportunity to um, go into another location downtown with our cookies and it was a location of a company that was selling other baked goods. And she was, you know, she was trying to, you know, make some additional revenue on her side so she could kind of cover her overhead. And she was willing to rent us space in that, in that bakery space to put our macaron case. And for us, it gave us an opportunity to see if the downtown area of Savannah was a good fit for our product without committing to any long-term lease. And so, you know, we, Laura and I talked about it and I said, well, I don't, I don't, in this particular situation, I saw no lose. If it didn't work, we just pulled our, but I think we had to buy a second case. It was what we had to buy to, to do it. But outside of that, we, that was it. And, um, it was a good stepping off stone to see if it was a good market for us. And we had, I think we had a 90 day commitment. I mean, it was really small. We didn't really, it wasn't a big, it was kind of a no brainer. And, you know, I remember Laura, you know, we had to go through it over and over again to make sure that, cause she was a little bit more risk averse than I am. I'm really definitely jump out the plane and, you know, Laura's just crazy enough to kind of be willing to tandem jump with me. But, you know, it's always, it was always kind of my idea to go do some stupid, crazy stuff. So, um, so we did it. And I mean, I, like I said, I felt like it was really no way to lose. I mean, you'd be out the case, but the case could be sold. I mean, I didn't, I mean, the data that I had said this was calculated enough to do. And really, I mean, within 90 days, the, um, we were really kind of selling more of our product than the lady was that had the space. And so she wasn't really super happy with us because we were selling more product than she was selling. And we weren't, we were only taking up a small portion. portion. And so she was still carrying the lion because we only had a small little portion with her case. And, um, and so, yeah, she was, she got kind of upset, you know, not with us necessarily, but upset that she wasn't, that there are cookies, our macarons were doing so well. And so she put me, you know, a letter on my door on my at 10 o'clock at night on a, like the end of like December, like 28th or something like that. Um, that she was not happy with us, that she didn't want us to be in her shop because she felt like we were taking away business from her. And, um, 
And so I, I remember going to Laura the next day and I'm like, you know, she was like, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. I said, we'll figure out something. And I said, but I said, but we, we're killing it downtown. We're doing great downtown. And I said, so I think I have a, now I have felt like I had enough data to make the leap to get your own. Yep. Space. And so the next day, Laura and I drove around downtown and I mean, literally we pulled it and I'm like, there's a space. And we, this parking space in front of it was empty, which never happens to Savannah. There was a phone number on the window when we called the number and the guy's like, yeah, I haven't leased. I'm like, we'll take it. And Laura's like, well, well, let's, I'm like, no, no. I mean, it's, we we can't be in this place. We know it's good. We're going to take that space. It was already a bakery. So it was already something that didn't require any build out on our side. The lady was willing to sell us her ovens. Wow. Because she didn't want to move them out. And, um, we're on the phone and the lady happened to be there working late and let us into the bakery and the whole thing. And I mean, it was, and so I, I remember telling the guys, like, we'll, we'll get it. Send us a lease, uh, fax us a lease. Here's the fax number. And I remember going in the next morning to, to work, and I said, the lease come in? And I was like, I haven't even been able to look. I think it's back there, but I, I haven't been able to even look. <laughs> like, Let's go get it off the fax machine. <laughs> so we got it off. She goes, you don't have to read it over. And I, I, mean, I read it, and I signed it. I'm like, we're going down right now and give the guy the, the check. And she's like, Are you? I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm as sure as I could be that that was what we were going to do. And so we did. We went to the bakery lady. We said, we've got another space. We're moving out, like, right now. And she was not happy with that solution either. Cause real, and, and, and literally two days later, we opened up in the new space. Wow. Um, and, and so, I mean, yes. I mean, it's... But sometimes you're... It, it seems like in that scenario, you were kind of reading the signs, too. Because was, there, were, there were signs. Yeah. And also, you've talked a lot about not overextending yourself in money. Like, right. you know, you, are, you might be a risk taker, in other words, willing to jump, jump out of a plane or bungee jump, but you're not going to go and extend yourself when you don't have the data and you don't have the sales to back that up. Yeah. And we felt, and I felt like, well, now we had 90 days of data. So it wasn't like, I mean, some people would want like five years. We had 90 days, (laughs) but I started the cookie company after 90 days. I made them for a cookie swap party in December and we opened a cookie business in March. I mean, I didn't have a lot of data then either. And we're like, go. And Laura was like, sure, you're going to write. And I'm like, I got it. We're going to do this. And we did. So I am really probably not somebody who wants like seven years of data, but, um, again, I'm naturally inclined to that. But to go back to your question is you need to look at what you've got. You know, again, we've talked about this competitors, market share, how are you going to do it differently? And if you can align those things, at least more in your favor, then I would say it would be a calculated enough risk to take the next step. Um, Because that's all you're trying to do down the journey from an idea to opening is you're trying to at least line up enough ones on your side, basically in your favor or on your, if you're a pro and con list kind of person, you're trying to line up more pros um, so that you can keep going down the path. When the cons kind of raise up more than the pros and you're going down the path, then I would say, you know, hold on, let's see why that's happening. I don't want more cons than pros. I don't want to have to keep overcoming. There's lots of obstacles I'm going to overcome, but why are there more cons? And, you know, can I turn some of those cons into pros? And if I can't, then maybe this doesn't need to go. Because I'm not saying go full in when everybody in the world is telling you that this is a bad idea. No, anyway, when, but when I launched my furniture business, everybody in our land told me it was a bad idea. Every single person, including the exterminator. So, wow. so he didn't think it would ever work. And, um, you know. 
Like I guess that's another conversation about yeah. dream killers. You know, there's just seems lots to of be those. Lots of people out there. Biggest mistake like you'll ever dreams. make. I've heard that a lot. Usually from me, when people that I'm close to, it's the biggest mistake I'm ever going to make. I'm like, oh, yes, we're all in. And I'm like, it's like a big poker game. And I'm like, chips in the center. So, um, but no, I, I mean, because I just work harder for it, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you've got to be a risk taker. I'm just thinking about reasons we don't take risks. And one of the things that comes to my mind is like not trusting your gut. I feel like you are someone who's sort of like, and you trust your gut feeling and you kind of go on your gut because sometimes, like you said, sometimes you don't have all the data that you need necessarily, but you, you have a gut feeling that this is the right way to go. Yes. And I do truly depend on that. And, 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 and because I feel like my gut instinct has very rarely been wrong but for some reason, I think I'm someone who, like, I'll have a gut feeling, and sometimes I'll trust it, but then sometimes I doubt it, which I'm not sure why, but I think there's a lot of women out there that, that might kind of feel this with me. It's, it's, and it, it could just be that whole, like, we talked about, like, the self-doubt and the, the, that thing that kind of plagues us women, like, am, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing to do? Maybe, maybe thinking about others and how it's going to affect other people, weighing into it more than just how it's going to affect me sort of, I don't know, taking into account too many things and weighing yourself down rather than just saying, this is what my God is saying go f- going forward. Yeah, and, and that's a balance because, I mean, you can, you know, there are people that, you know, it's such a balance. I mean, that's what's so f- interesting about the whole thing. It, it's really, there's not, there's not a barometer that goes, yes, 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 or at least for me, but so you do have to, I mean, there is a level of risk. That that's what risk is, risk. right? It's the if we defined it, it's like the not knowing, right? It's the not knowing, and, and it's people. Some people are more uncomfortable with not knowing than others. Yes, and I mean, I remember um, it was it was a really not that funny, but it's kind of a moment. So when I lost when we lost our furniture business, and you know we had grown that to about a fourteen million dollar a year company, and. I'm going to get a little philosophical with you for, t- for about five minutes and then we'll kind of move out of that because I don't spend a lot of time in it. But I was really kind of broken with that loss. And, you know, I, I, I felt I didn't trust me anymore. I felt like maybe, I, you know, I, I had the self-doubt in me and I didn't trust me and I didn't trust my instincts. And I was really, for really probably one of the first times in my adult life, was somewhat paralyzed by defeat and because I'd had all the success so I was just there was just this catastrophic defeat and I was I was kind of paralyzed by it and I remember um and I had a lot of you know I was angry I was angry at God you know I had a lot of multiple emotions emotions going on in it and I remember coming to a point that I felt like I could start moving forward but I was scared. So I was like, so in my mind, I've, I felt like I was standing on this one like little stepping stone, like on a garden path. And I remember saying, I remember kind of even crying, you know, crying out to, to the Lord at that moment. And I'm like, you know what, God, if you've got this, and this may sound like, anyway, this is what I said. I said, God, if you've got this, and that's what I feel like you're telling me, then what I'm going to need to trust that is I'm going to need stadium lighting and it in a clear path lit up for like two miles. So I know any obstacle that's going to come in my path. And then I will get on the road and start moving forward. Now, unfortunately 
that weren't that way. And the argument in my, at least in my own mind, was that that wasn't going to happen. But that's what I needed because I was really broken. Mm. And, and, and what overwhelmingly was spoken at that moment to me was like, you know what? My grace is sufficient for the stone that you're on. Just take the step. I got this. Mm. And there was something in that moment of myself that I'm like, that a switch tripped or whatever and, or, you know, clicked and I, and I took the step. But I remember sitting on, I mean, in my mind, I was just sitting on the stone going, I can't go anywhere because I just don't know what's going to happen and I can't take any more of that. And, and, and I really, I, I, for the first, like I said, in my adult life, I was kind of paralyzed and, and it was that moment. It was that really I, this crying out of arguing, going, this is what, these are my conditions and being told that, yeah, that's not how this works. You're going to have to just figure, take the one step and trust. Step, and you're going to end back and, and whether you believe, you know, I mean, I do believe in, you know, in trusting the creator that I believe is a creator in, in, in my path, um, that works without that dynamic, I guess. But I mean, it was something about me. I had to go, I'm wired up the way I'm wired up. I'm designed the way I'm designed. You fighting your design is just not going to work. Mm. And, and so when I, when I'm authentic to who I am, I find the most success, but it, it was hard. I, I didn't want to take another risk. I was, I was the risk that had been so abundantly successful I mean, for 14 years mm. have been abundantly successful. All of a sudden I doubted because of failure. And so I had the, and I had the, the big, you know, it was huge failure and I, I didn't know what to do. And so, I, I mean, I remember thinking to myself, I'm never going to be me again. And, and that was just so beyond sad to me because I didn't think I was that bad to not be me again, but Yeah. And it was during that season that I, you know, that I volunteered at the hospital as a chaplain and I got my, myself back. But yeah, there was a season that I was, I was scared. And my husband would even tell you, because you're not, you're just not that my friends would have told you you're so go, you know, go full board. You're in, you're all in. And, and there were seasons, there was that season that I didn't feel all in at all. I didn't even feel that I felt a completely risk averse. To the point that I wanted to go take a job and, and I mean, I wanted a job that would just pay me to show up and I would just get a Which salad. is so not you. Which is so not me. You had to like survive for like two days and you'd um, be like, what am I doing? But it was in that same moment that I was deciding that, that I made the cookies. And, and then 90 days later, we're like back to who I am and back into to doing it. So so one of the things I think that can make you risk averse is not is, is either like a failure, an yeah. extreme failure, or just maybe over time, not having enough wins over time. To where you start doubting your own ability. Failure comes with life. I mean, you're going to have failure. And, and I hate that because, unfortunately, that's just how it works. And some failures are bigger than others. But you're going to have failure. And, you in you know, I feel like you learn in the failure way more than you learn in the success. The success feels great, but actually you learn to hone yourself in the failure. So if your job is sales and you're not closing sales, then you really need to have an analysis of, who, of your pitch to figure out what you're, what you're doing to not connect because there's a failure and there, you need to look at yourself to figure out how to make it into a success. So there is, there's that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, and so I think, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not somebody who really buys that I'm just constant failure. I don't think that people are by definition 
constant failures. I think people want to sometimes blame everybody else for failures mm. instead of looking at how, you know, I can maybe make they've it. contributed or maybe they can make it better. Well, I mean, if I'm if I'm a salesperson and I can't close a sale, pe- that person I'm selling to is buying something from somebody, so it's not like they're adverse to buying. They didn't buy what I was selling, and if it happens over, and that's going to happen to anybody, the greatest salesperson doesn't close them all. But if it's over and over and over again. You know, maybe you want to see what, what, go to find somebody who's great at sales and give them your pitch and let them tell you, you know, be, you know, be big enough to allow them to kind of tear it apart a bit. Right. Be willing to learn and yeah. to adjust. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if I want to go be a cook and my cake doesn't rise every time, I mean, maybe I'm just not measuring it correctly. I mean, let's look at what happens because I don't think anybody is a constant failure, um, I don't want anybody to ever feel like that because I truly have never met anybody that I felt was a constant failure unless they get in their own way and and don't want to make adjustments. And adjustments have to be made. I have to make adjustments, hence why I'm 15 minutes early for stuff. I was having a catastrophic failure every time I was late. It wasn't a failure like you would see or you would qualify as a business failure, but it was a failure as a wife. It was a failure as a mother. It was a failure, as, in my opinion, as a human being. I was, well, and you, you were, you know, it was draining you. It was, it was, was draining horrible. your energy. You, you, it took you 15 minutes to recover. I was horrible. I was, I was horrible. It was, it was, nobody would want to see me at that way. My family got to see it. So I was failing. So what did I need to do? I mean, I could just continue to do the same thing and figure. Blamed other people. Yeah, but, I needed to make a change. And the change was that I book in 15 minutes. And it's really, like I said, become a joke. But I mean, honestly, in that 15 minutes that I'm early, I catch up on my emails. It's usually a quiet 15 minutes. Um, I, I can make a phone call if I'm trying to catch up with something. So I use that time. I'm not sitting there just like dead time. But sometimes I just kind of take a, just a 15 minute deep breath. And then I'm ready to go on to the next thing. So no, I don't think anybody's a constant failure. But if you're finding yourself failing at something, figure out why. Make adjustments. So do we need to take risks? Should it be a part of our everyday, or maybe not everyday, but should it be a part yes. of our lives as an entrepreneur? It's going, well, it's going to be. It's going to be part of your life as an entrepreneur. Absolutely going to be part of your life. Because if you're not taking risks, you're probably not moving forward, right? Right. You're not an entrepreneur if you're not make, taking risks. I mean, now you can say, I'm a, I'm, I don't want to, and you can go get a salary job somewhere and work for somebody that's going to pay you, to, you know, and that could be pretty risk averse. Um, that may be wired up for you, but if you're telling me that you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to be in sales or you want apps, the risk comes with that territory and you're not going to do one without the other. Thank you for joining us today on Lady BizWiz. As always, we value your feedback. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or any ideas for future podcasts. Questions at ladybizwiz.com is where you can find us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.